millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. But what we do take seriously is making sure you have a podcast there every single Monday morning. 52 weeks of the year, even if that means we broadcast from three separate locations. And during, have I got this right, Jonathan Beardmore, during a stag do? Yes, I'm literally, I've literally taken a break from the stag do. I'm in the glorious city of Liverpool, a city which previously I didn't really have much love for, but after being here for two days, what a place. Love it. Uh, great, great people, great city, great night out. Liverpool is a great night out. We always have a really good time over there. Have you ever heard of the, of the phrase, when in Rome? Yes. <laughs> so my, my typical choice would be a Negroni. However, when in Rome, pink hooch. Pink hooch. <laughs> that takes me back. It's very noticeable about Liverpool, and I agree with you. It's a very cosmopolitan city. It's very much very European these days. It's had a, I used to work in Liverpool, and it's come on a lot in 10, 15 you years. You did, didn't you, Tim? In so that, in that tower in... right in the centre, in the Radio City Tower. So you, you could impress clients by saying, you know, City Tower. Now, I, work, I walk past City FM or whatever the fuck, walk, sorry, whatever <laughs> it is, like nowadays. So I'm a little bit loose. Um, and I, I thought of you today, because they have like a little, um, I think they've moved premises now. They've got a little pool table, a little uh, foosball table, and whatnot. But they're no, no, no longer in the tower. I think they're now on a high street. Wow. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a very cosmopolitan city, but the, the the women of Liverpool are very well preened. You see them quite often in on a, like a Saturday afternoon going out to the supermarket with curlers in their hair, just ready for their Saturday night. I completely, completely know what you're talking about. Right, we need to get into this because we've just had the biggest game of rugby, the probably the most general public interest in a game of rugby since the Rugby World Cup final. South Africa were involved in that as well. Uh, let's just get straight into the third test with the Lions and fair play to South Africa. Phil, I'll come to you straight away. What's, what's your sort of general takeaway, feeling, uh, experience of watching the game? Overwhelmingly, um, congratulations to South Africa because they played, well, most of the rugby on exactly their terms, precisely the terms they wanted to play on. Um, they were an amazing, cohesive unit an amazing defensive unit and they were ultra, ultra clinical when they got opportunities to take either three points or um, score a try. Um, sorry, can you hear some screaming in the background? No. 
Oh, I thought that was some people just uh, having a really good night out in Liverpool. That's in your house, is it, Phil? It is in my house. I'm going to have to go and see what the hell's going on. <laughs> Give me one minute. No worries. Sorry, I, sorry guys. J- JB, uh, we'll, we'll leave Phil to do his thing. Like As soon as you saw Mornay Stain's name selected, did you just have a sense of inevitability? Yes. Filled, uh, well, filled my heart with fear. That would be the first thing. But, you know, on Phil's point about Gretchen's South Africa, what a team. Like, they they had it all to do. And here's, here's the way you look at the Lions, right? It's a terrible team, which is why there's so many terrible games, probably with amazing players. Usually, what you see is a very functional international team playing the Lions. South Africa were not that. They're a bunch of boys that have played together, what, three times prior? So you've got South Africa A, you've got the two previous test matches. And to overcome what they overcome, it's absolutely incredible. And they did it without Faf, they did it without Peter Stephatoy. You know, you, you, you can't overlook exactly what an incredible achievement this is. But because it's an incredible achievement, you've got to say, what a performance by the Lions too. To lose this tour by three points, we shouldn't overlook that. We shouldn't look at it as a out-and-out loss. Both teams come out with enormous amounts of credit. Oh, we can talk about styles of play and everything, and I'm sure we will, but that was just a pulsating test match. Yeah, and no, I totally agree with you. South Africa had to dig really deep. And they're just... Like, they're so tough. They're, they're never beaten, and they're so tough. They've got an iron will, and you've, you can only admire it. Iron will is exactly the right... Like exactly the, the right phrase, and like with so last week I said it's going to be decided by percentages. I don't know if South Africa were that much better than Lions. I don't think they were, but in the key areas which they managed to get on top of Lions, one of the, one of the areas you know was the the collision zone. So every time the Lions made made a break, they would get absolutely clattered to the point that nobody wanted to make a break. I mean that's not actually true. Everyone wanted to make a break. But how many times do you see a guy go into a hole and get absolutely annihilated? The, the defence of South Africa over the three tests. And yes, maybe you see Cheslin Colby having, having a moment like he did, a world-class moment, and you sort of think, I would love to see a little bit more of that. But I just cannot get over how good but, South Africa's defence is. It's unbelievable. So on Cheslin Colby, the reason that thing is so amazing what he did is because he did it in those circumstances. So earlier on that day, they had the Bederslow Cup. And there was an amazing try, which was disallowed. Great. Who cares? Who cares? It's not big boy rugby. It's not growing up rugby. It's not hard rugby. If your rugby is designed to offload, what does it matter if you offload? The fact that Chelsea and Colby did what he did in those circumstances is phenomenal. And, and um, oh, well, um, I'm back now, guys. But um, the fact that... Um, uh, what happened, Tom? Um, screaming, screaming six month old, and my wife was having uh, some some freezer fails downstairs. Who was screaming? Your six month old or your wife? Uh, a bit of both, I think it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and Colby, he had that was a moment of magic. He did nothing else all uh, for the whole <laughs> yeah. for the whole of the test matches. He, like, he he was anonymous, with the exception of. Um, two potential red card incidents in the second test. He had a, an awful um, overall, or not awful, an, a quiet tour overall. But that was that's why he's paid the big bucks. That's why he is the best swing in the world because there are 
in those circumstances, even with the best wingers in the world, there are very few who finish from that, that position. Agreed. Agreed with that, mate. Absolutely agreed. Potentially no one else finishes from that position. Uh, I think a few would, but it's 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 the certainty of it. As soon as yeah, so so someone like Josh Adams might do might finish that. I don't know sixty percent of the time. Someone like Severis probably sixty seventy percent of the time. It's the Cheslin Colby. It's like it's ninety nine percent. Like you just knew it was a it was a dead cert. He was going over the whitewash. I hope he's paid by you proportionally for what he can do. I mean, he's in France. Uh, he's winning. Um, French League trophies and European Cups. So I hope he's paid, um, and World Cups and Lions Tour. So I hope he's paid commensurately, which I'm sure he is. I've said I've said this uh, I've said this a few weeks ago in the tour. I, I really I love how humble and lovely he is, and he is a very very fine human being all round. Uh, but I just I would love him to just have some kind of um, Carlos Spencer swagger because. He is on skill set alone. He is someone who you could sell rugby union on to people that weren't rugby fans. Well, hundred percent. You say Carl Spencer Swagger. Thank you for that very professional detour into Finn Russell. Well, yes, <laughs> this is the other big story from this game, isn't it? Really. So yep. I will say what I'm wrong, and I was wrong on this, and every mainstream rugby journalist was correct which is Finn Russell made a difference. The fact that he came on that field and he had a smile on his face and the way he strutted on there, like, it looked like Finn Russell, like, this was like, for him, a league game. It might even be like a lower-level cup game for all he cared. And um, I remember I was in the, the beer keller in Liverpool. Someone says to me, do you think that Finn Russell will stick to the game plan. So I have no idea what Finn Russell's going to do. He certainly didn't do it in England versus Scotland when they drill. He turns around and he kicks it sideways. Like, well, the answer is no. The answer is definitely no. He won't be doing that. But the way he just trotted on that on that field, it filled me with confidence. I'm sure it filled everyone else with confidence. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And he was he was almost the perfect antidote to the way that South Africa wanted to play. And not yeah. by that, I don't necessarily mean the physicality because the Lions and South Africa broke, both brought the physicality. What I mean is the tempo. South Africa yeah. were, were very happy to slow the game down, as they did in the second test. Um, some, sometimes, I must say cynically, with taking an age to set up lineouts and scrums and uh, even Etzebeth having tape applied and physio every single time there was a stoppage. Um and Finn Russell was he was the man who could spark the Lions into playing that high tempo rugby in a way that well very few other tens in the world, like perhaps only Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett can do that have that level of spark. The way he turned the ball back inside, the way his vision works, like I can't believe how wrong I was in saying like, yeah, you can't just get one guy and he makes a difference. You absolutely can. Like, I'm sure Dan Bigger can do all of those things, but Dan Bigger looked like a guy with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like, I've, ne- I've never seen Dan Bigger miss so consistently. And I say consistently, like only making 70% of the kicks, but that makes a massive difference. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Equally, I was completely, completely wrong. And to play like that, on that stage, I agree with you that he seems to treat every game the, the same, and that's part of the beauty of it. Uh, he just manages to get himself into an amazing headspace, whether he's, you know, having a little 
touch game in warm-up in training or playing against South Africa, the world champions in a third test of the Lions. But he hasn't played in five weeks and he played like that. So I was completely wrong. But here's a, here's a devil's advocate question I'm going to throw in. Did the fact that that happened by chance in the final test, did it take away from Warren Gatlin's reputation that he was, he was going to overlook him for all but 20 minutes of a test series? I, I like the question and I, I think it's a very interesting one. Um, it's a kind of what if scenario and you're right. I think, um, I think Gatlin would not have played him for more than 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes had bigger, not got injured inside the first 10. Um, and Finn Russell was, as I said before, the perfect antidote, the, the tempo to counteract the South African slowness. So it's interesting that it was by chance rather than by design that that happened. And I don't think it changes our perspective on, on Gatland, um, certainly not on Gatland because he is, he's proved over an extended period of time that he's a quality coach, but it does just raise questions about the way that the overall Lions coaching team set up their team to almost take on South Africa at their own game yeah. rather than just do, you can match them at their own game, but you've got to have something else to, to challenge them. And again, I would I would say I was uh, I was wrong on this as well because JB, when you and I just had a quick podcast on our own, we were saying you can't just change it too much. It's it's tiny, minute changes, and but actually, I think I think the mindset did need to change, and it's only with hindsight you can say this. But I think, and a lot of uh, as as you say, a lot of mainstream journalists were saying, a lot of rugby fans were saying this, and um, it was actually. I was at Simon Shaw's restaurant in London yesterday working and Bobby name Skin. Drop. Yeah, yeah, I know. Name drop. And Bobby Skinstat was there, another name drop. <laughs> name drop. And uh, and he uh, said uh, how um, how old is your best mate, Greg? Oh no, Greg Greg's back in Japan now. So uh, I traded Greg in for Simon Shaw this week. Nice. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's right. I think people listen, I think people listen to you and they often think like Tim, the easiest job in the world. And people don't know what you have to go through to do your job. Like, you work bloody hard. I, I always think about the time. Do you remember that time that you told us that you had poached eggs in a hotel and you couldn't get pa- uh, ground pepper? You had to have um, powdered pepper. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, that was an outrage. I mean, that, 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 that haunts me. And I always think, like, the amount of effort you put in, it's just not fair, is it? <laughs> well, I had to let my steak um, that I got I got uh, brought to me. I had to let the steak sit there for about five minutes longer than I wanted because I was doing a hit into Talksport. No. Which, which I know, oh, outrageous. But you make a really strong case for a broadcasters' union. <laughs> it makes make, make, make me furious. Actually, it makes me absolutely furious. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Very good. Uh, Bobby Skinstat said the same thing, and I spoke to someone else this week, uh, someone South African, uh, whose name will escape me. Oh, um, um, someone that played for South Africa relatively recently. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, I, sp- I spoke to several South Africans and a lot of people, and mainstream rugby journalists were saying fans were saying it and saying, "Look back to '97 if you want to know how to beat uh, the Springboks." Then it was Gregor Townsend at ten, and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, mate. You're absolutely right. Because when, as in the first half, and despite the best efforts of South Africa, as Phil said, to slow it down, when you did have the tempo, when you did keep the ball in play, when you did run them around, 
they creaked. But to go back to your original point, mate, how does it affect Gatlin's legacy? To me, it just reinforces it. Because what did he do ultimately? He lost a test match by three points. That's nothing. A test match, you know, for all the guys who've played played together before, different combinations, all all these different things which you all know that hinder the Lions. It's probably why the Lions shouldn't even exist, but they do. Three points. Three points difference between Warren Gatlin being able to say he's not lost against a single Southern Hemisphere type, uh, team in the Lions and now he's got a neutral record. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yeah, and that, on that three points as well, the, there's there's two contributing factors to that three points. And one half of it is the Lions missed opportunities, um, yeah. turning down two kickable penalties and um, the Liam Williams William Williams to Josh Adams, the two on one, which was it was almost a carbon copy of the one that Willie Larue uh, and Cheson Colby scored from. Um, yeah. In, in fact, it, it was slightly um, slightly less of a carbon copy because it was a walk in for Josh Adams. There was no one in front of him. He would have glided into the corner. Um, Imagine being Josh Adams in that situation, though. Imagine what he must have been thinking, like half a second before he doesn't pass. I mean, Lions Hill. Try, yeah, yeah, it is try time. So there's, there's that, there's the two turn down penalties, albeit if you, I was thinking about the two turn down penalties, there's kickable penalties. If you always kick sticks, you don't get, um, it's not plus six points, it's minus seven plus nine. So it's only plus oh. two points because you don't get the, the pushover try. So, so the if you kick sticks every single time, Lions don't actually win. Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, that, I, I do make sense. You can't pick and choose which ones you go. They should have gone for sticks, not the corner. Yeah, yeah, you yeah 100%. Hindsight, you can't just with hindsight say, oh, yeah, because we scored that one, we should have gone for that one, but then none well, of the I, other I, ones. I will, I, will take an exce- I will take an exception to that, actually. I think the, the ones in the second half, towards the end of the second half, when you're chasing the game, I actually didn't mind that. Too much. I didn't mind going for the jugular and trying to go for the win because draw is that kind of like kissing your sister phrase that uh, Steve Hansen always used to like using. Um, but the one at the end of the first half, I can't, I cannot understand that, and I will never justify yeah. it just purely because it was at the end of the first half. Yeah, and yeah. you're you're not no going to you're not going to be put under the territorial pressure that scoring three points gives you, where you get a kick off back in deep in your own half. Yeah, it would end the half with three points, which would be in the context of that game would be massive. So I, well, I cannot it, fathom it that. It. Draw. I mean, it, you're not wrong, mate. It, you're at, in fact, no, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Like they smash it over, but in the context of the game, is it not about attitude? Is it not about telling South Africans that we don't fear you, we don't fear your more defence? We'll give it three three points because in a larger context of the game. We'll, like we're going to beat you up. Well, I know. I, I actually, th- I actually think the con- I, th- I actually think the context of the game is why I'm disagreeing with that one. Because at the end of the first half, the cost of kicking three is a big boost running in at half time. The cost of missing a kick is nothing really. You're kind of neutral. It's like, yeah, that's a that's a shot across the bowels. That's a warning to you, South Africa. The cost of going for it in the corner and failing is a massive boost to South Africa running in at half time psychologically. Yeah. Huge. I- I do get that is it is a different scenario. That one should have been definitely should have been the three points taken, and you can then see the logic in differing from 
kicking the corner compared to kicking sticks. So yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. Um, but the, I, I, I the, agree with that. I, I, I do agree. But I'm just saying, like, why would you do it? It's just the the timing, 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 timing. But it, but there's so that that's one half of the the difference on the scoreboard, and the other half of the difference on the scoreboard. And I hate to, I hate to focus on this, but I, I I'd like I'd love to get your opinions on the two the two scrum penalties that went against the Lions on the Lions ball that from my side look like, uh, well, either it's it's a reset and it's no one's fault or it looked like um, certainly on one of them, Trevor Nayakane was just driving uh, Kyle Sinclair into the ground and yeah. he got the penalty. Hmm. There is one penalty in particular. Kyle Sinclair is meant, is absolutely right to go mental. But, you know, do you know what I just think? It's just the cost of doing business. Like, it, it, it is rugby. Scrum penalties go either way all the time. Hopefully they get it right. Hope, you know, maybe they don't. It, it just happens. So I agree. It's completely wrong. It happens though. But yeah, so, so I, I, I am very happy taking that stance. But then it does stick in the craw a bit after Razzie's 62-minute video. Remaining, like minor, minor, penalty, minor penalty decisions. If if he if Razzie comes out and says does another sixty two minute video on why Trevor Nyakane should have been uh, penalised, then fair fair play to to Razzie. Um, but I don't think he'll do that to be honest. Um, it's touch and go, isn't it? <laughs> but but then, I guess not under World Rugby Investigation, he wouldn't. Otherwise, he wouldn't. But those the, the reason why those two penalties um, bother me a little bit more than any of the others. So. I don't think the first test, I don't think the penalty decisions decided the first test. I don't think, I don't think the penalty decisions, the lack of red cards or anything else decided the second test. I think the, the best team won on the day in both of those tests. Mm. The, the third test, it's like, it's like me watching the Olympics now and there are all sorts of Olympic records, um, world records being broken in lots of different events. And I don't know whether that is that these athletes are the best they have ever been or whether it's the effect of, if, if you're talking long distance running, certainly, whether it's the effect of the next percent vapor flies or whether it's the fact that none of the athletes have been WADA tested for 12 of the last 18 months and they've all been getting maximum chemical enhancement for that period. And so they are at the, the peak of the uh, chemical um, end of the spectrum. And I can't, I can't disaggregate those three things because I just don't know. It's the it's same as it's the same. I love your use of the word disaggregate. Um, I will say that if I wasn't scared of needles, I would be juiced to the eyeballs right now. So, <laughs> so I massively respect all of those athletes that went through that process. But but my my point in relation to the rugby is I know regardless of the referee, and I know who who should have won and did win the first test and the second test. In the third test, where it's such fine margins, and then there's these close calls that happen a couple of times that are suspect. You're just like, did, did that have a material effect on the game? And I, I don't know. I don't know, but it just, it makes me question it a little bit. And it, it does seem a bit unsatisfactory. Yeah, so I don't feel at all. Uh, when I saw Zalaf go in, I've got, I, I, as you thought, uh, actually, so much respect for Zalaf, I thought, they did what Gatland does. They stayed in the fight until it was over. And it, this is this is big boy rugby. So we saw the Bledders low cut early on that day and people running tries in from all angles. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's not real rugby. This 
this was real rugby. And all South Africa did is stay in the fight. They did what Gatland does to so many teams. They, they, they just kept them there. And then when it's time to win, it's time to win. And Mornay Steen, who kicked it to, to, yeah. w- to win his second Lions tour. Well, uh, that, that's, that's maybe the one moment. Because uh, I actually, I thought, bearing in mind the amount of pressure that Matthew Raynal must have been under, and uh, partly because of Razi Erasmus, who will get, again, I don't want to talk about that in the context of this game, but he will get dealt with, and I'm sure very harshly by World Rugby, and rightly so. I actually thought he he did pretty well across the 80 minutes, especially at try, uh, trying to keep the game going and recognising South Africa's attempts to slow it down and to negate that where he could. So I, I like that. The one the one decision is Herschel Yanchi's right at the end. I don't know what... He got him out of jail big time because what the hell was he doing taking a quick tap from that penalty, which Mornay Stain eventually kicked to win the game. But... Looking back at it, Herschel Yanchis took that in a position which looked fine to me. It was a moment of madness um, when when you want cool heads um, and you want kind of calmness. But I actually think had Reynald not pulled it back for taking it from from the wrong mark, there was definitely a question of whether Atoji, I think it was Atoji who made the tackle, whether he was 10 or whether he was in an offside position. Uh, so it might have been a, a, another penalty and yellow card anyway. Yeah, you're probably right, to be fair. It could have been a penalty 10 yards closer. Not not that it mattered to Mornay State, yeah. but you could see that. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that, that makes me feel a lot better about that because I think you're right, actually. I remember that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you're right. Oh, JB, are you back? No. He's there, um, but not speaking. You might not have connected. There he is. Hello, Mr. Beermore. Just let me point out that the commitment we have to bringing you this podcast every time. you can. I mean, I, I think we can hear JB's been enjoying back. himself on his stag do, but he is back. Go on, JB. So, can I tell you how dedicated I am to this, to, to this project? Yes, please. There's only two people on this street at the moment. I am on... Um... Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, mate. Uh, what, what's doing? Matthew Street, right? To give you an idea of how dedicated I am to this podcast, there's only two people working on this street. One would be me, and the other one would be a Thai lady who has not stopped dancing for a whole hour. I think you might have burned like 800 calories by, by now. <laughs> like, like, we've not really bonded yet, but I'm pretty sure, like, later, we'll, you know, we will be. Yeah. We'll say hello and talk about our different work experiences. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just to bring you up to speed, JB, Phil's absolutely rightly pointed out that, that um, the Mornay Stain penalty, if Hershey Yanchis hadn't been pulled back, it would have been a penalty 10 metres closer because Maru Itoji tackled him before he went 10 anyway. So it's fine. I'm over it. I have no idea if that would be... Okay, so I was about eight minutes and I don't really remember much. Hey, can I ask a question? I missed the film. Are you a Helens fan back in the day? To, to me, uh, I, I was a Salford Reds fan. I thought you were a Helens fan for some reason. No. Is, is your old man for some reason a Helens fan? No, my old man is uh, born and raised in Salford. I, I wasn't. My dad was a Salford Red season ticket holder for 20 or 30 years. 
Yeah, so the reason I ask, right, is because I'm on, I'm on Stag Do this weekend. And I'm basically with, not with rugby, it's, it's not high-level rugby players, but they're very, very, very good rugby players. Very good rugby players. I, I, of which I am comfortably the worst of them all. But one of the guys that we were with, do you remember Alan Hunt? Alan Hunt? Why do I know the name Alan Hunt? Uh, maybe because he played for, played played it in a World Cup final. He played for St Helens, played for Hull, um, and he's fifty one and he looks twenty five. Uh, and <laughs> he has more stories than anyone I've ever met. He is some of the most superb company outside of YouTube boys I think I've ever ever come across. Nice. Imagine playing a World Cup final. Imagine doing that. Wow! I'm just just looking him up. So he played, well, he did play for Salford for, for one year in 2002, 2003. Yeah, yeah, right, right in the end. Absolute Yeah, right in the end, in his uh, early 30s. So can I just go on one? About, so he, he retired 18 years ago, right? And he looks younger than all, you know, he looks younger than all three of us. But on the tangent, Tim, have you ever been Salford City Reds? Yes, so soul-crushingly poor at the AJ Bell. Uh, the experience, oh. I mean. Have you ever been to the Willows? No, I oh. never went to the Willows. Oh, the Willows. The best stadium on the planet. On the planet. Even better than Bath. Like, some, some stadiums should reflect, you know, their fan base. Uh, oh, hi guys, you right? <laughs> I am doing a podcast right now. So, yeah, um... One of the um, yeah, one of the best stadiums on the planet because it reflects the local area. Now, Salford City Reds were in Weest, and the corporate hospitality was in a port cabin, stacked up on top of another port cabin. And I kid you not, it was one of my favourite sporting viewing experiences I've ever seen. It was it was amazing. I used to go there as a kid, just thinking that's what um, that's what stadiums were like. <laughs> Having been to lots of stadiums all over the world since then. It is not what stadiums are like. It was remarkable. Do you remember the Do you remember the gents' toilet, which is literally a wall? It's a wall with a gutter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with, with like a concrete uh, drainage channel uh, running through. That was it. It it was that's in the, in the main stand, um, the the standing stand. <laughs> so I'm pretty confident, right? So my, my my little brother and his friends from North Wales. All came up to Manchester when I was maybe 24 or something like that. And they got a minibus. I don't know why they decided to come watch Office City Reds, but they did. And they all came up to watch Office City Reds. And we played Warrington. I say we, because I used to be really into back in the day. And the lead changed time, uh, changed hands nine times. Uh, it was like 43-40. I am pretty certain it was one of the best games of rugby ever to be played in the Willows. And there was 11,000 people there. Imagine 11,000 people in the Willows. Like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the Willows and then think of 11,000 people in there. It was like Old Trafford, like, against Liverpool. It was unbelievable. I'm just, I'm just looking up. Uh, it, the record attendance was uh, 26,500. Uh, <laughs> in 1937, another game against Warrington. It was in 1937. That, that, that's exactly who they played, Warrington. Yeah, 20, 26,500. I had no idea how you'd get that many people in there. Dangerously is the answer. Yeah, incredibly dangerously. It's tiny. It's absolutely tiny. 
I mean, I guess if you remove the uh, hospitality double suite, you get another <laughs> thousand in there. Yeah, maybe I don't know, maybe a few hundred. Um, back to back to the test match. Um, yeah, sorry, of course. I, I, I think your I think your point on um, on Reynal was is spot on. I think overall he handled everything well. Um, I think a little bit of frustration of, of how long it took for him to award Colby's try, which again I think is a direct consequence of the Razzie um, rant. Correct. But he got he got the he got the right decision. Um, one another interesting thing actually, because it's it's a point I made last week after Luke and Dickey scored his try. And is either Mostar or Etzebeth had it um, came in from the side and collapsed it, and had it there not been a try given, it should have been a penalty try and a yellow card. The same thing actually happened again this week when uh, Ken Owens goes over from the the pushover try. Jasper Visa just dives in and chops his legs just as he's crashing over the line. Which had he knocked the ball on, or had he been held up, or something happened for it not to be a try. It is definitely a penalty try and a Jasper Visa yellow card. They, South Africa got incredibly lucky on both those occasions that the Lions actually scored the, the tries because they would have been in a much worse position had the Lions not scored. Mm, interesting point. Just on that, just on the Lions nearly scoring, how good was South Africa when Red meets the road and they got a turnover? I mean, I, that was almost inspiring the, the, the way that they did it. Yeah. Their their defensive positioning, their, their work at the in and around the breakdown, and the work as a unit was remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And Van Staden, whoever his name is, left Tiger signing for next year. My word, we are in for a treat when he finally lands. <laughs> yeah, the, the player, the players that I thought made the biggest difference, and I'd say this across the whole series. Dialande and Am, you put those on the other team, and I think the result changes. That's how that's how good those two are. I completely agree with you. And not I'll go one further. Lacano Am looks like an international captain to me. I would follow him. I'd follow him anywhere. Yes. Yeah. He's he's such a good player and he's such a a defensive leader as well. He's he's class. Um, he needs to get a big money European contract like uh, Dialande. I hope he gets paid a million pounds a year minimum. <laughs> he is uh, he is outstanding. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read a co- I'll read a couple of um, contrasting emails that we've received. Uh, we're contacteggchases at gmail dot com. The first one from Peter Shaw, who says, "Gents, uh, the Springbok series was just what we all wanted—a riveting spectacle despite COVID, the fanless fanless venues and jumbled schedule." I'm not even going to discuss the whole Razzie ranting. All three tests were tight affairs that could have gone either way, and he notes. In all three occasions, the team losing at halftime won the match. Even the second match, which had the largest margin of victory, could have been swayed the other way if Henshaw could have dotted down um, and Am was not able to. Uh, That's how tight it all was. And although not always the prettiest rugby, it was JB's favourite tight. Large men smashing into each other. Franco Mostert's nose, which was already in the Rugby Nose Hall of Fame with Quagga Smith and Mike Tyndall before surgery, uh, is a testament to that. The box went with their best team, essentially intact, and made a few tweaks. Gatland had a much harder decisions to make, for sure, and even more talent to choose from. In hindsight, uh, he would have loved to have seen Finn Russell more, uh, Owen Farrell, Hamish Watson, Liam Williams, Tygburn, and Josh Adams. Uh, we can always dream of Marcus swooping in and saving the day. Uh, I hope he at least got some good bry out of it. 
them playing may have made the difference. Alas, we'll never know. So, Peter, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed, riveted by the series. And here's Alistair Nason who says... Um, I'm a serious rugby fan. I've played the game for 20 years, but I found the Lions series basically unwatchable. Been looking forward to it for four years, but it's a terrible ad. That was a terrible advert for the game. The game at the highest level appears. I don't want to hear any more of this. Okay, I'll I'll just just briefly summarise it. The game at the highest level appears to be completely random and based entirely on the bounce of the ball or a refereeing decision. Um, It's almost hard to be upset at the lost the loss because in the last 10 of the third test it could have gone either way based on random events I have no solutions I, I, I accept I'm just whinging so so just to address that, that last email right which makes me livid the reason it's about random events and he is right on that and maybe maybe I shouldn't be so angry the reason it is so random if the Springboks were massively better than the Lions it wouldn't be random and if the Lions were massively better than the Springboks, it wouldn't be random. It, it shows you how close it is. When everything else is equal, the random events make a difference. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. But it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Well, but then this... So, if if it's the randomness, as in it's the lucky or unlucky bounce of a ball, like the, the Colby try, um, lucky bounce of the ball, but then one team reacts better, then that is wonderful. And that, that's what you yeah. want to see. And that, that is the deciding. It comes back to my point before, though, as to whether you can can um, unpack whether it is that that made the difference or a couple of unusual or uncertain or, or just random refereeing decisions that, as, I don't know, six times out of ten would have gone the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that makes yeah. it a bit... And that, I think there's, there's some of both... Um, I've spoken to people who've had similar views, people who um, watch far less rugby, but who have similar views that they they just didn't enjoy it. There was far too stop star and far too much kind of esoteric stuff, like the the dark arts types. Um, So I I kind of appreciate the view. I I did thoroughly enjoy it because of the the close nature of it, the spectacle and, and everything that went aside, both both I, good and bad that went alongside. I've ever felt there'll be a more, more compelling half of rugby than the first half of the second test when they're all getting into it. That that to me is rugby through and through. And you can say whatever you want about intimidation or how you want to change the game or how we don't like masculine traits in it. That was what it's all about. Now, if you can play great rugby in those circumstances, please feel free. But if you can't, you know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because obviously we've got the rugby championship coming. Um, how it's going to be? I'm fascinated to see how South Africa acquit themselves to New Zealand's style of rugby, and equally how New Zealand acquit themselves to South Africa's style of rugby. Because there's no way that New Zealand will want to play 26 minutes of ball in play in an 80 minute <laughs> test match. There's no way on earth New Zealand will want that. And, and by the way, is that what the Lions played? Twenty six minutes in that last test. It was tw- wow, yeah. wow. Compared I to never that. compared to, um, I think I think what I read was the uh, Premiership final was thirty eight minutes, <laughs> so nearly fifty percent more ball in playtime. Uh, I, I, I was very satisfied with the eighty minutes. Yesterday, I mean, again, I guess this is maybe what Alistair was getting at, and what a lot of people might come away thinking is, uh, and we only know this with hindsight, because the Lions tried to match South Africa, we got two 
particular types of game in the first two tests. But actually, when there was the contrast of styles and the contrast of uh, the ways they were approaching it after Finn Russell came on, that actually made for a more interesting, uh, more, more interesting matchup. And three tests of that, even if the scores were exactly the same, I think would have been probably more engaging. Might, might have been. But let me ask you this question, Tim. Why do we call it Finn's sanity? <laughs> I did actually get that word in on the, the TalkSport coverage. I got yeah. insanity in, yes. Awesome. So, Which I thought I, any, I, any, I, any of our listeners on listening to TalkSport um, might have uh, appreciated. So, so for the record, I have not missed a single excellent TalkSport broadcast except for that one. I can't, I can't believe that you pulled that off <laughs> when I was listening. <laughs> it was it, I loved it uh, looking through Twitter the number of people who messaged us as Finn was warming up and coming on we, we got about maybe 40 messages all saying hashtag Finn Sanity yes oh, I've got massively exciting news boys massively exciting news yes so I'm on a stag deal don't know if I mentioned this <laughs> but there is a guy called Aaron and we call him Aaron Pest don't know why it doesn't really matter but here's the thing about Aaron Pest right I'll just before you tell the story I'll just say everybody listening is making up their own mind on <laughs> why that name came from but so well, I apologise to Aaron for that well I will tell you exactly why we call him Aaron Pest because he's so good at scrimmaging so Aaron Pest is like a a guy who is like eight um, maybe six years younger than me right do you know where do you know where he plays his rugby no, no, do you know, let's start with this. Do where he used to play as a rugby? Uh, position or club? Prop. He's a loose head prop and he's given me an absolute hiding in the past. And I'm, I'm pretty good at propping. He's given me an absolute hiding. So he plays a loose head prop. Okay. So guess where, where he played in the past and guess where he plays now? So if he's played against you, right. he must have played, uh, I don't know, Oldham or... Uh... Uh, try to think of the other clubs that you play Liverpool, you, St Helens New Brighton, yeah, LSH Love it, love it, love it No, he played at Sunday, and then he played in Barcelona for a year Awesome And then he played at New England Free Jacks which he just has finished his season now so, which means effectively our next tour to, South, uh, to North America is going to be Boston Awesome okay. Is that cool? I'm game. So, uh, and he was telling me today about all the lads he's played against, uh, uh, the Eagles. And in fact, here's an interesting thing. He said, like, when you play against normal guys in that league, you know, basically on is even. They can't, occasionally, one of the Eagles uh, will play. He's like, they are just bigger boys. Their wrists are bigger, their hands are bigger, and they absolutely annihilate you. And this is a big boy. He's bit, just to give it like an idea of how good these guys guys must be, this guy batted me with ease. There are big guys that batter him, and they're not even close to the Premiership. It's probably like that one or that two, and there's Premiership, and then there's international. So you can just just think about how good these players are based on that context. Awesome, it is awesome. pretty cool. I'm just just looking at the uh, the list. Uh, New England Free Jacks, you said, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so Dougie Fife is there and Jack Ram, Tonga yeah. Franca. Uh, I think they're the main names you'd recognise. Awesome. 
Yvonne, Yvonne Aaron, Aaron Pest, I think his name is. <laughs> the thing is, well, it's all close enough together. I mean, it, within the context of America, which is a massive country, of course, it's. Uh, but you could do New York, Boston, and Philadelphia within a round trip. Yeah. Well, we what what what, what did we do, Phil? We did. Dusseldorf. We did, yeah. Where did we change? We changed Munich, maybe, or Dusseldorf. Then, then to Marseille, Marseille to Rome, Rome to Nice, Nice to Monaco, Monaco back to Nice, Nice to Brussels, and then Brussels back to Manchester. That in, was one weekend. In three no, days, was that? Yeah. Now, do you like expensive salmon, Tim? Because if you do, you need to go to Brussels Airport. <laughs> I, I love salmon, and if it's uh, if it's really good salmon, I'm happy to pay top dollar for it. I, I never said I never said good salmon. I said expensive salmon. <laughs> if you like, if you like expensive salmon. Brussels Airport is like thirty quid for uh, a slice of salmon. Delicious, though. <laughs> uh, it was it was salmon. <laughs> uh, right. Do we have any other business? Because I want to get back, get, get back to drinking. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to. Um... I'm happy. What I reckon we can we can take stock. If there's any more we want to say on this, we can we can say it in a in a subsequent pod. Um, but yeah, I'm quite happy for you to go and let the boy. I'm happy, quite happy to let the boys play and let you get back to it in Liverpool. Go and you know build up that camaraderie with that Thai dancer. Did you say? <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to discuss our our different work 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 experiences on the streets of Liverpool. I guess we're both street workers, right? <laughs> Technically, that is true. <laughs> uh, you are working on a street. Um, uh, yeah, um, unless there's anything else you want to say at this point, Phil. Uh, the only thing, if 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 JB goes back to his bid, we could have two minutes on the um, the Bledisloe Cup game. And yes, then, and I then... could not care less about Bledisloe Cup. So <laughs> perfect. You, you guys really dig into it. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Enjoy your, enjoy your night, JB. <laughs> Take care, fellas. Bye-bye. Nice one, Jay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. As a podcast listener, you've heard from us before. Today, let's hear from our members about what online therapy has done for them. I would recommend my therapist 1,000 times over. She has truly changed my life. The day after my first session, my friends and family said I sounded like myself again for the first time in weeks. You deserve to invest in your well-being. Visit BetterHelp.com to see what it can do for you. That's BetterHelp.com. Talk to me about Bledisloe then, uh, Phil. I've, I've seen the highlights. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. I did get to watch. I, I, I tell a lie. I watched up to 67 minutes. Um, I've, I've subsequently watched the last 10 minutes, but I, I gave up after 67 minutes when uh, the All Blacks were 25 points up uh, yeah. with whatever it was, 12 or 13 left to play. Um, so I've missed the Aussie comeback, but then I've watched that afterwards. Um, 
it was, I don't know, I couldn't, I wasn't, obviously I wasn't as up for it as the um, the Lions game. And I, I, I was hugely excited about the Lions game. But it, this was a stop-start affair. Um, obviously, New Zealand's first game for a while. Um, and both teams struggled to get into it. They were both making errors early on. But Australia will be kicking themselves. They they missed some easy kicks. They gave away some silly penalties that allowed New Zealand to, to go um, nine points to nil up. They pulled a penalty back, but then they scored a great try, albeit it was a not a straight line out. Scored a great try, missed the conversion. So they're, they're eight, nine down going into halftime and you say, ah, that, that's not a bad result. But then they... Uh, give away a penalty from the with two minutes left on the clock in the first half, give away a penalty from the restart. New Zealand kicked to the corner and several Reese eventually crashes over. So instead of going up, well, if they'd have taken their points, they would have gone up 13-9 at half time. They go up 16-8 uh, down. And from there, New Zealand just kind of boss, bossed it and took their chances until the the eventual Aussie comeback when it was all too little too late. Um, I don't think Australia are a million miles away. Um, they can certainly mix it at that level, but New Zealand will step up next week. They'll be they'll be sharper and fitter next week. Um, yeah. One of the interesting things, so all, all of that is, is kind of fine, kind of as you'd expect it. Yeah. One of the interesting things was the uh, a potential consequence of the 50-22. So this game, unlike the Lions tours, was implementing the 50-22 rule, law. Um, I don't think it was ever successfully done, but a potential um, limiting factor of it or, or an issue with it is uh, halfway through the first half, Australia get turnover ball from the line out just inside their own half. They spin it wide and they've got a three-on-two overlap. Uh, because it was New Zealand ball initially, there's no fullback in place. So because there's no fullback in place, instead of exploiting the three-on-two through the hands and attacking the space and potentially scoring in the corner, they kicked for the corner. So they kicked away good attacking ball because it could have given them a, a line-out deep into New Zealand's 22. Mm. However, because the kick was poorly executed, it just dribbled over the try line, was dotted down, and it was a, a dropout. So it was... It, it incentivized instead of running rugby. It incentivized kicking the ball away because of the the position on the pitch, and that's uh, it. Just didn't feel it felt totally wrong when you were watching it. You'd never normally kick that ball away unless you've got the chance of getting your own line out back, because otherwise you are far better to get the ball in hand. So, did you notice said, any positionally any the back three arranging themselves differently as a consequence, which opened up any space? So no, part of that is because when you're watching on TV, you you rarely get a, a full picture of the back three. But certainly there was there were relatively few times where the space was exploited. I mean, maybe you could say that New Zealand non-try was there was that was, was space created because there was. Um, people deeper and in the backfield to, to look out for a huge kick. Um, but yeah, no, it didn't, it didn't materially change anything else in the game other than that one three on two that was kicked away. Mm. So the law of unintended consequences, what we were not going to say it's struck again, but it's just 
potentially one to what one to keep an eye on through the rugby championship. Absolutely. If the intention is to get more ball in hand uh, because there's more space in the backfield, but as a consequence, it means that teams are more likely to kick away good turnover ball because there are fewer players in the backfield. That doesn't because good turnover ball is it's the best attacking ball. So if if you disincentivize running turnover ball, yeah, absolutely, that, that cannot be a good thing. No, absolutely. Oh, that's one to watch for sure. Yeah. So how how is the because I've paid no attention to the fixtures and how they're falling? Is South Africa going straight into games next week, or is it another? Is it a reversal of the game this weekend? Uh, so I think South Africa go straight into back to back against Argentina. I'm just checking that. Yeah. So South Africa. Uh, oh, so we're getting two. Fi- we're getting two fixtures a weekend. Yes. Great. Uh, m- not every weekend, actually. Okay. Presumably. I'm not sure why this will be, but so you've got next weekend, South Africa, Argentina, New Zealand, Australia. The following weekend is then Argentina, South Africa. And then the weekend after that, the 28th is then Australia, New Zealand. And then there is um, a a bit of a gap. And presumably the gap is because of uh, Argentina and or South Africa, well, Argentina and South Africa getting into New Zealand because of the quarantine. Uh, so this bloody hell, it runs from the 14th of August right through to the 2nd of October, presumably because of some of the quarantine periods. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, God, brutal. Yeah, that's not much fun, is it? But, I mean, Argentina did it last year when they historically beat New Zealand after spending... Uh, well, months training apart and in various different quarantines. So um, let's hope it's a good spectacle again. Yeah, I hope so. Um, well, we can all, we, like, as, as I've already said, we, we can, uh, if we feel the urge, we can catch up and, and talk more because I'm just trying to wrap my brains and think, have I missed anything? But probably um, loads, but it's, it's hard to think when JB's uh, partying on a street in Liverpool. And that's all I can think of now, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I might go out and get in amongst it uh, where I am. Um, yes. Nice one, Phil. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you on the next one, buddy. Week. There we go. You see, I just want to re-emphasise, we have just done a podcast with one of our members at the very end of a stag do. And to put it into context, the time right now is 9.38 on Sunday evening. So he's just getting going on night number three of a stag do. And um, and, and here we are for you. Uh, I've just stolen myself away from a, a family function, which is still going on, and which I'm going to go and return back to at the moment. I've got all of my mum's side of the family together uh, for the first time in a long time. And I'm going to go straight back to that now. And Phil... Um, is going to go and take care of his two children uh, and his missus um, who he stole himself away from as well. That's how much it means to us to make sure you have this podcast there every single Monday morning. As I say, 52 weeks a year. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't already, please do hit subscribe. Uh, If you appreciate what we do and you want to support us and maybe uh, win one of our shirts from the Rugby Dungeon in next week's shirt giveaway uh, for our Patreons, we are patreon.com slash egg chasers one of the little um perks that we offer so go and check us out there thank you for listening see you on the next one let the boys play need new glasses or want a fresh new style warby parker has you covered 
Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.